Welcome to the Culture Chat, hosted by WorkXO. Our mission is to upgrade work. Find out more about our workplace genome project at WorkXO.com. And now, over to our host for today. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Culture Chat podcast. My name is Jamie Nodder, and I'm here with Charlie Judy. We are um, founding partners of WorkXO. And we are excited today to have a conversation with Aaron Deal from Improve It in the Chicago area, uh, having a conversation about improv and how improvisation uh, relates to organizational culture. I am particularly excited about this topic because I do find um, as we get into conversations around organizational culture, I think a lot of companies try and and lock it in, you know, and get clear on what their culture is, which is good, um, but maybe don't realize that, in fact, it's sort of a living, breathing thing and needs to be evolving and moving. And so I think this this conversation should uh, touch on some of those uh, topics, and I'm really happy about that. Um, so to get us going, let's just get, kick it over to Charlie, and you can take it away. Cool. So, Jamie, thanks, and Aaron, so glad you're here. Um, hello, everybody. Glad you're listening. Um Jamie and I were just talking about the fact that we both were off in the woods um, this weekend, and so our brains are still kind of acclimating to the urban environment and the world of work. I, th- I think there's probably a podcast, Jamie, somewhere along like nature and culture, how those That's two it. come together. I, in fact, I think we, we we could talk about it right now. But we'll we'll see. That's that's somewhere out there. It's it's amazing the whole the whole assimilation from one environment to the next. But I'm feeling recharged. Um, so Erin is one of those people that you kind of get in the room with her and go, yeah, like this person gets it big time. Um, cool stuff. Great energy. Uh, a lot of fun, and I think has a great great um, product slash service for um, getting teams together and helping them with soft skills and training in a really unique way. Um, I've yet to experience it firsthand, but I'm going to. I'm, I'm, I couldn't make the most recent, but I'm going to sign up for the next one. Erin's um, here in Chicago, and she's the founder of a company called Improve It. Uh, and we're thrilled to have you here, Aaron. Tell us a little bit more about you and about your organization, and then we'll pop into the topic. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here and for the wonderful introduction, Charlie. That was uh, my cheeks were pink. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I have been an improviser and performer pretty much my entire life. Um, so I I grew up in the theater and dancing. I went to Clemson University, go Tigers, um, where I I danced there and graduated with the goal of becoming a talk show host, which is a real you know amazing amazing thing for a parent to hear from their child. So <laughs> I um, I knew that that I wanted to get into improv as a way to train, to just develop myself personally. And so I moved to Chicago and started taking improv classes. And while I was doing that, had a day job, so to speak, in experiential marketing and then in recruiting. And during that time, I was seeing everything I was learning in the theater and just in my life spilling over into my professional life and into my personal life, and I really was using the things that I was taught to do on stage 
in my professional career, and I did business development uh, and consulting for this recruiting firm. So I was constantly meeting new people. I was constantly having to be on and going into different organizations every day. I really saw that because I was doing somewhat of a sales job. I was going to these companies. I was seeing different company cultures. I was walking in and experiencing what I thought really was working in that company, but what I also saw wasn't working. And so through that, developed an idea for Improve It. I wanted to have a very cost-effective and competitively priced service so that even a smaller to mid-sized organization could utilize what we do. Um, I wanted to utilize the people that I knew in the improv community who would be very excited to bring the joy of what we do into companies and in organizations. And then I also wanted it to have a social impact. So with every workshop that we do or every client interaction, we donate 5% of our profit to our non-for-profit charity partner called Funny Bones Improv. And Funny Bones Improv provides volunteer and provides performances for sick children and their families in hospitals in Chicago and New Orleans. So really excited about that. So when companies work with us, they get a really high-quality experience. We do workshops that train on six different soft skills. So we have six different workshops that train on six different uh, soft skills that all utilize improv techniques as a medium to train. Um, and then they also are getting a competitively priced um, workshop that gives back at the same time. So it's really a win-win, and we have worked with some really awesome clients. We've worked with Groupon, PepsiCo, Crow Horowath, United Airlines was my very first client, um, and the list continues to grow and grow here in Chicago, and we've actually started to expand outside of just the city of Chicago into other organizations all over the U.S. So it's been really exciting, and um, 2014 is when we opened our doors, and during that time, we were lucky enough to win a, an award from the Chicago Red Eye, which is affiliated with the Chicago Tribune, um, which was uh, the it was called the Chicago's uh, Big Idea Awards, and we won in the art and design category, which gave us a lot of publicity and a lot of opportunity to reach a lot of people. And then nominated um, in 2015 for an innovation award. So we're really excited just where this year is going, and um, I just really love the opportunity to work with so many great organizations and reach so many people. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really awesome, and it, it's. Um it's it's a good uh, kind of combination of of feel good and have fun and important work like you know equipping um, leaders in the world of work to be more effective um, is an age old industry <laughs> um, and I'm not sure anyone has really come up with anything as innovative and and as exciting as what you guys are focused on so that's that's really cool. So let's let's kick it off then. I mean, let's just let's just open this broad topic and see where it goes. Um, from where you sit and all the organizations that you've worked with, Aaron, and and this this kind of wonderful science slash art of improv. What can we learn about workplace cultures, uh, making them stronger, um, etc. From from improv and and um, kind of all that it involves. Let's just start with that. Absolutely. Well, I think the first thing 
that has to happen in order to to create a positive workplace culture is there has to be a playing field where everybody has an equal opportunity to feel valued and supported and their their ideas are heard. So improv's really big tenet is yes and. That's the really first and only biggest rule in improv. Um, and if you've ever seen an improv show, you can see on stage the audience gives a suggestion of one word and in a long-form improv set, we then take that to a 30-minute set of improv just based on that audience suggestion. And it's really apparent on stage when improvisers aren't agreeing with each other and they deny and negate what the other person has said that the scene really cannot go forward, that there is no uh, uh, connection there between what they're doing. So if I were to say to you, Charlie, Charlie, oh my gosh, I, I'm ready to operate on this patient. And I was telling you in that scene, I'm a doctor. And you said, okay and you called me something completely different other than a doctor and negated my scene and said, mm -hmm. oh, well, I thought we were at the dog park, mm -hmm. you know, and that way we are completely on two different playing fields. The audience already feels uncomfortable, and we feel uncomfortable because there's nowhere to take it. But if you were to come in and say, oh, doctor, here, here's your scalpel, and give me that scalpel and give me that gift of supporting my idea, then right then and there, that scene is going to charge forward, and it's going to make it's going to be very enjoyable for the audience to watch and for the improvisers to play. And the same thing goes in an organization. So if somebody comes to the drawing board with a brand new idea or has some type of um, culture innovation that they want to implement, and they are told no right off the bat, automatically they feel devalued and that their ideas weren't heard. And it sort of stifles that communication and it stifles that ability to have that team connect with one another and really grow and get something and, and make something better than if one person was just sharing an idea. So it really enforces a yes culture, which is what we really try to bring in with our workshops, is we want people to hear each other's ideas. And it's not necessarily saying, I completely agree with you. It's, mm -hmm. yes, I hear your idea. And I'm going to add something to it. So it's not even saying the words yes and. It's a philosophy and it's a way of life. But it's really just hearing what that person says, adding something to it, and creating something bigger and bigger. And I like to yeah. use my improvisers as an example because they do this all the time in the way that they communicate. And so we'll say something and somebody will add to that and someone will add to that and someone will add to that. And it's not necessarily saying yes and, but it's yes anding in a sense of, I hear your idea, I think that was great, I'm going to add something to it. So it's really implementing that in first and foremost into a workplace culture so that they can develop the type of culture that they want to implement and understand what the other people have to say and really making it a place where people feel that the exchange of ideas is high and that they can exchange ideas because they feel empowered to do so. So let's 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 pause here for a second because I want to get Jamie's reactions. Um, I've got like lots of things flying around my head, but I mean, it seems like this. Uh, we, we could have a podcast on this one theme alone, and that is level playing field. I think that's really, mm -hmm. really powerful. Um, Jamie, what are your reactions to some of these things? No, well, I I agree. I think um, yes, and Charlie. Uh, yeah. Right. No, I I think uh, what I what's really interesting to me about this, and this sort of relates to what I said in the beginning, but uh, I think uh, something that we talk about with organizational culture is that it's everyone's job, right? And I, there's a lot of 
uh, sentiment when you talk about culture that it's the leaders who set the culture. And to, there's some truth to that in the sense that they, they have more power and that some, they can exercise that in shaping the culture. Um, but it's, I, I've talked to leaders actually who sort of get mad when, when people tell them, oh, it's all up to the leaders to set the culture because this one woman said, look, I cannot sustain a culture by myself. Everyone has to make culture their job. And you can't make, you can't expect people to sort of step up and take ownership to shaping the culture if everything they say gets the, gets the Heisman. You know, and says, well, no, you can't do that, or that doesn't work around here, or all of those sort of, you know, we always done it that way kind of excuses. Um, so even if what they say is ultimately not going to be the piece of the culture, if you start with, okay, that was your contribution, that contribution is valid, let's build on that and see where it goes, then you can end up somewhere. Um, but if you start with, I've already ended up somewhere and you just have to agree with me, then that's the people who sort of turn off. I love this idea of being constantly on. Like you need that in culture, but we don't do that. We sort of, we only turn on on culture when we're discussing our core values. And then we put that away. We go back to the way we normally are. And I think that's Mm -hmm. one of the reasons why it fails. And so I think this, this idea that in fact culture is in us and it's constantly on and we're constantly working with each other to develop it. I think that would be really cool actually. Yeah. And I I love that, 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 so in, in the level playing field, scenario i mean first of all it 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 means that everybody has the chance to make the first recommendation or first bring the first idea or ask the first question or create the first theme and then anybody thereafter has the opportunity to play with it right Mm -hmm. and and there's this it, it may not end up being about that original idea but it's the process that kind of gets you through it Mm -hmm. um that's i love the i think there's a there's a new verb aaron yes anding yeah. That. Hey, I like that's... it. I'll take it. <laughs> There's a, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's going to become a new part of the business vernacular. So, um, that's really cool. And so, yeah, go ahead, Jan. I was just going to say, but I mean, and, and I, I also want to emphasize, I think in that conversation that it's not sort of a Pollyannish everyone's right. You know, every, you know what I mean? Like I, I there's something important about, like you said, Charlie, the process of this is that, that we're sort of robbing ourselves of power by using this traditional mode of you come up with the perfect right answer and you submit it and everyone agrees with it. Um, mm-hmm. We rob ourselves of creativity, of innovation, of, of energy, of engagement um, instead by having people saying, I'm going to put stuff out here and I don't know where it's going to go. And yes, I'm going to, yes, you're a doctor and eventually I want to bring you over to the dog park. And so I'll mm-hmm. give you a scalpel and we'll go to the dog park. And if that doesn't work, we'll go somewhere else. Like, I mean, I like that idea, but it's, it's, uh, it's not sort of a, ooh, you know, t- like touchy-feely, like we all agree. No, it's, it's actually really hard work, but it starts from a premise that everyone is in this. And I do think that's missing in a lot of organizations. So yeah, well, you can, you can, uh, you have two choices. You can elaborate on, on this topic <laughs> at large or, 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 or you can just, I, I would like to hear a little bit more about, you know, like what's the dynamic, how do you watch this come together? Like, in, uh-huh. you know, are, 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 are people uncomfortable? Like just, just describe that a little bit. Cause I think that has a lot to do about with, 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 with instilling this kind kind of behavior, you know, I mean, people, as Jamie just said, it's hard work. It's not a natural thing for us, right? So Absolutely. how do you make it more natural? Tell us more about that. Sure thing. So, and I love the choose-your-own-adventure scenario right now, Charlie. So I'm choosing to go somewhat okay, in the cool. middle of both. I love <laughs> yeah, both. Cool. Uh, yeah. so, um, so 
So I will say to just add to this yes and conversation and to, to piggyback off the, the fact that, you know, how do you navigate these uncomfortable waters when this does arise, once you can get to this place of I'm going to hear your idea, I'm going to not necessarily, like we said, agree, but once I feel like I'm empowering my employees and my employees feel empowered to have this understanding of no idea is going to be negated, we're only going to build on this yes culture, then you really get to this really cool place because if you think about it, all of the exchange of ideas are happening and people are by feeling empowered. That's when productivity really soars. And that's how I was led by one of my old managers actually. And she doesn't even know this, but she really did empower my ideas rather than negate. And if she didn't agree, she would find a different way to sort of steer it in a direction that she thought was more appropriate. But she always made that ideal feel good, that I brought something to the table. And that's really what we want organizations to do is get to this place where they feel like they can bring these ideas and that their ideas can be shared so that when they do get to this yes culture, that's when their productivity is at its highest. That's when they feel like they're doing things and they're they're, because we can get in a whole different topic about the conversation of millennials, but really and truthfully, they are this workforce of the future. And that is how they feel in, in, in valued in their role. It's mm-hmm. not the foosball mm-hmm. table. It's not the pool table. It's not um, the things that are there. It's their, their mission. And so when people feel like they have a purpose and that purpose is fulfilled and being heard, that's when employees feel really engaged and they belong to a culture and a place where they want to stay for a long period of time. And that's when a company sees their sales rocket. And that's when they see the productivity of their employees really, really soar. So how we navigate through this in a mean, in terms of making um, this, you know, feeling of uncomfortableness in the beginning. And trust me, we are very aware of it because um, <laughs> we, we do this every single day. So and I always start off a workshop saying, we know that what we do is going to push you outside of your comfort zone. So we make it a very important piece of our workshop that we call it our circle of trust. So we always have people standing in a circle. And we always have people standing when we're talking just because that makes them feel more engaged. And we always ask questions to lead to the answers that we want to get to. So always through our workshop, we are empowering them the entire time to come up with their own ideas so they feel like that was their idea but we're formulating the questions to get them to get that response. So we know that that uncomfortability exists because it is not something that a lot of people are comfortable with. In an organization, you have all different types of people. You have the positive Pam cheerleaders. You have the Debbie Downers and the negative Nancys. You have the people that are really afraid of the word change. And that in itself is a big hurdle to get over. Um, so we know that we have to create this environment walking in to make them feel safe. So we do a couple of activities up front that just get out the jitters and make everybody on the same playing field. We also, in our workshops, I don't know if I want to reveal too much, but I will. We have a, we have a chicken hat, okay, which is literally a chicken on a hat. Love, okay? chi- we, love chicken. <laughs> love chicken hat. Who doesn't have a chicken hat? Come on. Who doesn't right. have a chicken hat? So the theme is whenever you hear the word improv, we pass the chicken hat to the person on the right. And then we also do the chicken dance 
the da 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 Anytime you hear the word improv, that happens yeah. right away. And then by the end of the workshop, whoever has the chicken hat is the improv chicken champion and receives a Starbucks gift card. So there's the, you want this chicken hat. But it's a reminder of a couple things. Number one, improv, much like your job, it requires you to focus on multiple things at once. It also reminds you to put your fears away, play, learn, and have fun. And it gets everybody on that same playing field automatically and makes them feel like, okay, we're all in this together. We could have an intern and a CEO in the same room. And for those two hours or however many hours of that workshop, they're on that same playing field. And we don't allow there to be that hierarchy. We really make sure that everyone is on a same similar level. And then we just, we, as we go through the workshop, we have a thesis statement that we work through, and we do an improvised activity about that thesis statement and debrief after each activity. And really and truthfully, the magic happens in itself because improv is so experiential. And, it, I, and, and unless you experience it, this is always what I say, it's very hard to describe the feeling because it is, I, I call it magical. It just makes you feel happy and it makes you feel very connected to the people you're with. So it is automatically a bonding experience, no matter what subject matter we're talking about, because you're doing something that you typically wouldn't on a day to day with your coworkers and peers. Um, so, so this is great. So, and, and, and Jamie, I'm just going to, you know, kind of name a couple of things that I heard in this conversation um, or the, this, this, um, what, what Aaron just shared with us. So, so I, I think, and I think we see these themes flowing through lots of stuff when we talk about culture, permission, trust, you know, comfort zone, um, uh, permission to fail. You know, it's, it's, it's like this, it's like all, all former constraints are removed from the equation, and you, you got to be allowed to be your one true self. I mean, is that is that what what are you hearing? In, in, in yeah, that? no. Well, I mean, so that's so. I mean, I know we only have like five minutes left, but I'm going to go deep anyway. I mean, I, to me, this is tapping into, I think, fundamentally, what's at the heart of of our business, Charlie, which is sort of realizing that what has been missing in organizations is humanness, right? Mm -hmm. And human community. And this idea, and I, I really love, I'm going to go on aside, but I really love the, the example, Aaron, you, you gave about how some really simple process changes suddenly level the playing field. You know what I mean? Like you just break people out of their routine where you're always coming to the staff meeting and the boss leads the meeting and does the agenda. Like it, it sounds silly, perhaps the chicken hat thing, but it's like you suddenly realize that in fact we're all just a bunch of people around this table. We're all actually there's no table, which is important. We're all mm -hmm. just a bunch of people looking at each other and we're human beings. And you know what human beings deeply, deeply love? They love being empowered. They love being in mm -hmm. community. And they and they actually mm -hmm. kinda don't like the rigid hierarchical systems we've created. And that that, that community is at the heart of where uh, also tying into the millennials, where the future of business is headed. Uh, and that, like, it's, I love that it's so easy to tap into that. And like you say, it's experiential. Once people have the experience of like, wow, we were just in a circle doing stuff together and it didn't matter who was who in the org chart, that, that unleashes like so much power. Uh, again, and 
like you said, Charlie, this is the stuff that we look at in organizations, trust and change and hierarchy and empowerment. Like we're constantly digging to find out what's it like there. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's kind of cool to know that actually in an hour you can get a complete experience of what it's like when you have that stuff. And, I, and I'll, I'll play the role of, um, you know, Debbie Downer for a second. Um, <laughs> because, you know, here, here, here's what I think. Here's what I think many organizations struggle with, and I, and maybe some of it has to do with the size of organization. But but one of the things that we also understand at WorkXO and doing the work that we have with culture is that it it everything needs to be a lot like the the systems, the even the hard stuff of work, like the the tactile stuff of work, the the the, the technologies, the systems, the processes, the, the programs, and I don't care as much as you want to maybe get rid of that stuff, it's always going to exist. All of that stuff has to really support the culture. And so, you know, I, I see these workshops as being this really nice ecosystem, this kind of con- this, this controlled, safe environment. And then yet people have to take that and go back to what may not support that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Right. So, so maybe just, and, and as Jamie said, we only have a few minutes here, but um, thoughts, Aaron, on, on like, how well does this, how, how long and how well does it survive? What, is, what does it take to make sure that this kind of then weaves its way into the fabric of the workplace once they've left this kind of comfortable environment? Yeah, that's a great question, <clears throat> and that's actually a question we get a lot from our clients is how do we measure that ROI and how do we so, – so I think I said this to you before, Charlie, is we always say we don't measure ROI. We measure ROO, which is the return on objective. And so we make sure going into an organization that we have a true understanding of their current culture and then we understand what they want this workshop to do to impact that culture. Um, and so we do have a workbook that they use, and they, at the end of the workshop, will fill out. And a week later, we follow up with a questionnaire that relates back to that workshop to make sure they're implementing those key messages and those key follow-ups that we've asked them to do. And we have some challenges for them as well to implement. So. They aren't just having that really fun two-hour workshop, and most of our workshops are two hours. They're taking something away for them, both as a team and both personally and professionally, individually. Um, I will say it's hard in its one two-hour period to really see a true impact, but I have a very great success stories from several of my clients, um, American Marketing Association as one of them, who has really taken the yes and philosophy and the tenets of improv to heart and has utilized that on how they build and impact their culture moving forward. Um, and they really do believe in that philosophy and have done tons of things within their workplace, um, both on the interior side, meaning their office space, making sure that it's more collaborative. Um, they've made sure that they've done a whole office reorg making sure people feel very comfortable and empowered and there isn't that level of hierarchy, that it's more everybody is on that same playing field. Um, and they've also implemented those tenets of improv so that they make sure that the word no is not a part of their vocabulary when brainstorming uh-huh. and yeah. when when making uh, when having team meetings. So that's that's really where you can see the impact. Um, and I will say we work with several organizations 
period of time. So we're still in that development period of what they've actually gotten from it and so how we can take that data and, and measure them against their, uh, across their success. But it really does make, it makes people think. It reinforces yep. what they already know and enhances their existing skills, but it's a conversation starter. So it really yeah. gets that ball rolling, and it's a great way to kick it off if it's something your company is looking to do. So here's how I would kind of uh, respond to this, which, I mean, you brought out a couple things which I think are just awesome. Um, I mean, it's, it's a lot about, sounds like, Aaron, a lot, it's a lot about getting intentional about this, right? Mm-hmm. You, 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 you've got to have, you can't just leave and, and expect that these new things are, take root without a little bit of elbow grease. Right. And, and, and some objectives and maybe even some plans or a playbook, you know, sure. but um, the, the organizations that you've seen that have been successful have been able to really kind of tack on to those things and, and make them visible and make them vocal and make them, you know, uh, a, a thing that people continue to experience. Uh, this is an awesome conversation. I'm bummed that we only have 28 minutes to talk about it. Um, and, and I know that we'll continue to do it offline. I would encourage anybody that's listening to go check out Improve It. Improvit um, Chicago uh, and or Aaron Deal. Um, I think it's um, a really cool thing that you guys have got going. And thank you so much for spending time with us. Um, really cool conversation. Jamie, you want to wrap it up? Yeah, no, I just echo my thanks. I agree this has been a fun conversation. Anything that gets me all jazzed up about the deep human communityness of our work makes me very happy. Um, I uh, thank everyone for for joining us today. If you have ideas about what we should be talking about or people we should talk to, do visit uh, the WorkXO website, workxo.com, and uh, drop us a note and say and tell us what you'd like to hear. Because Matt, uh, well, Maddie and Charlie and I are pretty flexible about this stuff. Um, so until next time, uh, thanks for joining us on Culture Chat. And that was the Culture Chat today. We'll have some highlights up on the blog soon. Find out more about WorkXO and how to map your workplace genome at workxo.com.